Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The King is Coming. This series looks at seven titles of the coming Messiah found in the book of Isaiah. These titles were all part of a special series of songs that Christians in earlier times sang the week before Christmas, culminating on Christmas Eve with the singing of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We hope this helps you focus on the glory of Jesus, our coming King. I wanted to start off, Bob, even before I get started, I wanted to talk about uh, a brother in our congregation. I wanted to give a shout out to Brother James uh, Bauernschmidt. James has um, been doing uh, the jail ministry for a number of years, uh, I think around 17 or 18 years now, and a lot of that time he's shouldered it by himself. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Uh, and yeah, yeah, hey, thank you. Hey, praise the Lord. Amen. He's not always by himself. Brother Greg down here has gone with him. I went for a couple of years with him, but uh, I wanted to use this opportunity, though it's supposed to be the time for the message. I'm using it for an, uh, an announcement. Uh, since Brett's not here, I'm not going to get in trouble, although, you know, if it's on Facebook, you know, whatever. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, James, if you would raise your hand back here, it's James and Greg. Uh, see what, Greg, raise your hand too. One of these brothers, if you um, uh, are interested in going with them, sometimes he has to go by himself or he has to go by himself. And uh, the Lord, if the Lord's leading on your heart to go to the jail ministry, uh, you will be blessed tremendously. Trust me. Uh, am I right? Am I right? Amen. So see one of those brothers if God's laid that on your heart. Now, um, one of the reasons I wanted to bring up the prison ministry, before I worked with them for a couple of years, I was in a, uh, a uh, ministry that went to a full, uh, what's it called, uh, high, high security, uh, full security prison down in South Carolina. And uh, the first time I went in there, uh, these, and James knows this, he said the same thing. Those big doors shut. When you get in there, it's like, oh my gosh, wow. They're big, they're heavy, and you're not getting out of there anytime soon if, uh, you know. And it was amazing at that. But, you know, it, can't, it occurred to me that by a declaration of the government, of a government, a person is put behind these doors as well as behind bars. And uh, if the government opens the door, that's the only way a person's going to get out of there. That's the only way we're going to get in. They're not getting in unless, and they hold the key to let us in or to let us out at the end of the night. We could be trapped in there all the time, right? Uh, if the government orders the doors closed, no one can So uh, no one can go out or come in. Only a government can set you free from that prison. And they hold the total key to that. So in, uh, I just wanted to introduce that as a thought for the key of freedom, because that's the title of this message, the key of freedom, O key of David. And uh, so um, we are in the middle of a series, As you, if, if you're visiting, you've heard, we're in the middle of a series called The King is Coming, and this is the fourth message in that series. So we're going to look at uh, our first scripture this morning, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 22. And I'll read from Isaiah in the NIV uh, verses 20 through 22, and it says, in that day I will summon my servant Eliakim, son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe and fasten your sash around him and hand your authority over to him. He will be a father to those who live in Jerusalem and to the people of Judah. I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. 
Now, that is a prophecy that was first in the short term. It's, it's like it's a dual prophecy, as many of the prophecies in the Old Testament are and in Isaiah are. It's a dual prophecy. It was primarily fulfilled on the short term in Eliakim. And Eliakim was, uh, his, he said, Eliakim, son of Hilkiah, he was a palace administrator. And basically what he was, was he was in charge of the comings and goings and the happenings of the palace, sort of the, the chief in command there. God, uh, the Lord gave him that authority, and that's why he had that. But the long-term fulfillment of this uh, is found in the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. Messiah was coming, and Jesus is the one who fulfilled that. So the first thing I want to look at is this key that he talks about, the key of David. Um, if you look back in Isaiah 22 again there, verse 22 says, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he, open, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now look at that phrase there, the house of David. Uh, that's the lineage of David, and the line of David uh, is found in the Davidic covenant over in um, 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, chapter 7, verse 16, and some other places, God has promised that David, the king, his sons, his family, would rule forever and ever. It says in 2 Samuel 7, 16, your house, and he was speaking uh, uh, to David himself, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Now, how long is forever? It's forever. It's, it's, that's exactly how long it is. It's forever. Um, sharp guys over here. I'm telling you, you got to keep up over here. It will be forever. They will reign. Now, um, the, the second idea is God set up this line forever. Messiah will be that forever ruler, that, that eternal ruler. In uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, a very familiar passage, uh, a lot of times at Christmas, and if you're like me and you love Handel's Messiah, this is what, I, I love this verse just to hear it sung, sung, but I won't do that this morning to you. I'll just speak it. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So um, forever, eternal ruler. He says right there in verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So once again, forever means no end, right? He says... Uh, you will uh, rule with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever, in perpetuity, eternally. So that's when Messiah will reign. Now, the third thing I want to say is uh, God set up the line of the King of David, his lineage, forever. Messiah will be the one to fulfill that. And who is Messiah? Jesus. Amen. Jesus. I'm going to give 12 quick examples of Jesus being Messiah, just from Isaiah. Uh, you don't have to, f have to look these up, but just, he just hear this out. In, he in chapter 11, he would be the descendant of the king of David, uh, fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. In chapter 7, he would be born of a virgin, fulfilled in Luke chapter 1. 7.14, he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. In chapter 40 of Isaiah, he would be preceded by a forerunner, John the Baptist, fulfilled in Matthew 3. Chapter 9, he would appear in Galilee, be a light to the Gentiles. Matthew chapter 4. 
in, uh, in chapter 35 of Isaiah. He would perform miracles. I don't even need to tell you, just all over the, the whole gospels, he performed miracles. 42, he would be humble and meek, Matthew chapter 11. In 50, he would be beaten and spat upon, Matthew 26. He would suffer in chapter 53. He would suffer for the sins of others, 2 Corinthians 5. He would die and be buried in a wealthy man's tomb in chapter 53. It says that and is fulfilled in Matthew 27. In 9, 6, and 7, the one we just read, he would be called God, fulfilled in John chapter 20. And in chapter 49 of Isaiah, he would bring salvation to the ends of the earth, and that is fulfilled in the whole New Testament and continues to be fulfilled even to this day. Amen? Amen. So the whole gospel, the whole gospel, Jesus' whole ministry is told just in those few verses that I pointed out in Isaiah. And there are more in Isaiah. And there are many more prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of Jesus being the Messiah that have been fulfilled. So let's look at the key for a minute and then we'll tie this together and look at Jesus as being the key. The key in Isaiah 22, he says, I will place on his shoulder the key to the house of David. Now a key. Think about a key. We all have them. Mm, no, nope, I don't have mine today. But anyway, uh, somebody will have them. Do you have my keys, brother? <laughs> um, he, a key is, is one thing it is a symbol of authority and power. All right. Um, kings, leaders get keys. Heads of states get keys. Heads of offices. You know, it's a symbol of power. It's a symbol of authority. Secondly, a key is a mark of an office. Uh, not only to get you in an office, but if you have an office. You're not getting into a certain place if you are not the head, if you're not entitled to that key. That key will allow you in there. Uh, and the third thing is a key, it says, it says here, the key will be on his shoulder. Now the shoulder is where the strength to carry something is, to, like a burden. We're going to talk about that a little bit more later, but uh, we're going to come back to that. But that's what it, the setting is, the key. So that is what a key is. So now let's look at Jesus being the key of David. If you will, let's look at um, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 6 and 7. And it says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand, and I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the eyes uh, and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. That's in Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. Um, in this passage, there are four things that Jesus is going to do. Four things he's going to do. Number one, he will uh, be a fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. See, it says, I will keep you and will make you uh, a covenant to the people. That's the covenant he's talking about, the Davidic covenant being the David, the ruler forever. Number two, he will be a light for the, for the Gentiles in verse six. Number three, he will open the eyes of the blind in verse seven. And number four, he will free captives from prison and release them from the darkness uh, for the prisoners. So there you have it. Uh, Jesus will free the captives uh, from there. So as the key now, Jesus will provide freedom. So we're setting it up here. You have a key. What's a key for? To open a door, to open a lock. It shows your power. It shows your authority. Jesus will be the key. And as the key, he provides freedom. 
The first thing here is Jesus came to set the captives free. I want to look at Isaiah 61. Now, Brett pointed this out in a previous message. Isaiah 61, Jesus or, or, or Isaiah is talking and he says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the importance of that is that in, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus opened the scroll in the synagogue and read from that passage and stopped right there, sat down as they watched him, and he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I wanted to do get a, a grasp of that. He said, Messiah will come to set the captives free. Jesus said, Today, this has been fulfilled. He didn't say it will be fulfilled. He said it's fulfilled today in your hearing. So you're following that. Jesus ascribed to himself as being the Messiah, being the key. So it was prophesied in Isaiah. It was fulfilled in Luke chapter 4. So um, Jesus will provide and has provided freedom from the captives. Now, first of all, we have some examples in Scripture of Jesus or of God actually freeing some, physically freeing some, some, some captives. So um, a couple of those areas. Number one, uh, he, f he freed the Israelites in, uh, in, from Egypt. He, f he freed them in, in Exodus chapter 14. He had already told uh, Moses at the burning bush that he was going to do that. He had prophesied that he was going to do it. He told him it's coming. And then in the, um, in the um, Ten Commandments, he said in chapter 20, verse 2, he said, I'm the Lord your God is the one who delivered you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So God said he would do it, and he did it through Moses, through his people. He delivered them. Another place where he physically uh, uh, freed some captives. The Jews were freed from their captivity in Syria by Cyrus, king of Persia. Cyrus said this. He gave a decree. The Lord, the God of heaven, wasn't even his God, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem. Any of his people among you may go up, and may the Lord God be with them. He freed the captives, the Lord freed them through Cyrus. A third place, in the New Testament, the apostles were freed from the prison, from the jail, uh, in the public jail, in Acts chapter 5. Uh, also, Peter was free, freed from prison. Remember, the church was praying for them. Church was praying for Peter. Get out, of get out of jail. And uh, the angel came and, and it said that Peter saw the angel and he didn't even know what he was doing or even that he really was seeing reality. He said, man, what's happening here? Then he gets to the place and knocks on the door and they said, somebody's at the door. And he, she says, it's Peter. She said, you know, quiet down. We're trying to pray that Peter gets out of prison. <laughs> he was already there. They didn't realize the power of God that particular day. And then um, Paul and Silas is another example of being freed from. So we see people being freed from the prison many times, in, or from captivity, let's say, many times in Scripture, and there are other places. Now, that's a physical, and that's a picture of what's going to happen uh, spiritually. So God freed the, the prisoners physically. We had Jesus, the Holy Spirit, doing that. Now we see that he's going to do it uh, spiritually. The spiritual captives. Who are the spiritual captives? The spiritual captives are, first of all, all who slaves to sin, all who follow desires are captive to the devil. All false prophets are, uh, are slaves to corruption. So 
all who sin. How, how many people is that? All. Um, definition, all means all, right? Just like forever meant forever, all means all. All, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Follows fleshly desires. Anybody who follows their fleshly desires, the scripture in um, 2 Timothy 2 says that they are captive of the devil and to do the devil's will. It's pretty tough. False prophets, it says they promise their freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. See, they don't just commit depravity. They don't just commit corruption. They're actually slaves to it. That's what it says. That's what the scripture says. And when you're a slave, you don't hold the key. You can't get out. No slave can just free himself. He has to be freed. So Jesus promises that he will free spiritual captives. That's who the spiritual captives are. Now, spiritual freedom. Jesus provides, uh, the, he is the key to freedom in spiritually that uh, he will set the captives free. He, we read that scripture a moment ago. Isaiah 61, he said, I come to set you free. And in this day, you've heard it in my hearing. So Jesus already said that it's already done. He has already set spiritual captives free. Those of you who know the Lord, you've already been set free from the power of, or from the penalty of sin. Amen? Am I, am I on point? Okay. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, it is for freedom that you have been set free. You have been set free. That has, or he has set us free. That is past. We have been set free from the power of sin or from the penalty of sin. Now, the power of sin, we are set free uh, continuously even now. Whoever Jesus sets free will be free. He says uh, in John chapter 8, so if the son, whoever set, the son sets free will be free indeed will be free indeed. Uh, and so Jesus will, in the future, set the captives free forever and ever perpetually from the, even the presence of sin. He says uh, in Revelation 21 that uh, there will be no one who, no uh, evil will enter there. It says uh, no impurity will enter there. There will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering, no more crying, uh, no more death or mourning, no more pain for the older order of things has passed away. So there, we have been set free already from the uh, penalty of sin. We are continually being set free from the power of sin and we will be set free from the presence of sin. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. We're still here together. Amen. So uh, <laughs> um, now, as, as the key, Jesus provides uh, freedom. Uh, the next point here is, as the key, what Jesus opens, uh, no one can shut. Back in Isaiah chapter 22. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't read that scripture there. That was uh, Isaiah chapter 61. We looked at it. Let's move on to the one on Isaiah 42, if you could. Uh, I mean, Isaiah 22, I'm sorry. As the key, what Jesus opens, no one can shut. He says again, I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Now, the government is on his shoulders. We talked about that a minute ago. The government is on his shoulders. Um, he will place the key on his shoulder, first of all, he said. Uh, but the key is not just on his shoulder. That was the short term that it was on uh, I mean, uh, Eliakim's shoulders, 
Uh, it's on Jesus' shoulder, but it says in Isaiah chapter 9, if you turn there, for unto us the son is given, a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. The shoulders are broad and are designed to carry the burden. It's, it's physical, but it's also very, very um, spiritual, and it's very, um, uh, it's a picture of what they're trying to do. He's, trying, he's, ca he's carrying the whole government. We have our government set up in, in pieces and in fragments, and they all come together to do supposedly one job. Okay? But Jesus has all government for all time, and every human government is subject to his all-consuming government. He has the broadest shoulders. He has the ability to carry all. He has the strength to bear all government for all time, with all power and with all authority. Uh, with, and with authority, Jesus can unlock any key. Uh, any, he can, with the key, him being the key, can unlock any lock whatsoever he chooses. Um, in Malcolm Geith's poem, O Clavis, and we've been looking at some of these poems that he wrote in relation to um, the, the oak antiphons that we sang. Um, o Clavis, he states this. Even in the darkness where I sit and huddle in the midst of misery, I can remember uh, freedom, but I forget that every lock must answer to a key. How awesome that is. I never thought of that before, that every lock must answer to a key. The lock has no ability to say no. It is powerless to a key. And if you get the right key, the lock every time must obey. It must submit. Did you ever think of that? I never did. I never thought of that. It is important, but it is powerful. Because what we're talking about, Jesus opening what he said, it, what he opens has no power to, to resist his will. It will be open. Amen? Yeah. Um, so he opens uh, the door of kingdom, the door to the kingdom of heaven. He opens it. And it can't be shut. No man can shut that. No woman can shut that. No person can shut the door. Jesus opens the door and allows whomever he says can come in, can come in. And no one has the power to say, no, Jesus, you can't do that. And it cannot be shut. You cannot uh, get out of it. He says in John chapter, um, John chapter 10, he says that the sheep that I have in my hand, no man can pluck them from, from my father's hand. No one can snatch them from my Father's hand. Everyone's powerless. No one can take them. So take comfort in that. Take comfort in the fact that as a child of God, no one can shut the door to you. It is open per Jesus. He authorizes now, he does authorize the church to play a role in that. You know, sort of like we can be the palace administrator, but we don't have the authority. We are not the key. It is Jesus who is the key. And through evangelism, he allows us to play a small role in that. And it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to, to play a role in the eternal king's key opening, lock opening exercise. Amen? That is exciting to me. I don't know about you, but it is very exciting to me that we're a part of that. But he is the ultimate authority. Now, as the key, Jesus, what Jesus shuts, no one can open. All right? Again, he says in that, in chapter 22, in verse 22, he says, what he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. Uh, what are some of those things? Well, Jesus holds the keys to Hades and uh, death, he said in Revelation. And uh, when he shuts that up, no one's going to open it up. 
When he puts the devil and his uh, angels in there, lock, gone. They're not getting out. Um, the angel also has the key to the, to the shaft of the abyss uh, in Revelation. And that authority is once again given by the Lord. He says that the um, angel uh, had, has the key to the, another angel, or maybe the same angel, has the key to the abyss. And heaven is shut. Now that's the thing. Remember, he opens the door to allow whoever he says can come in, then come in. But when that gate is shut, no one's getting in and no one's going to be open to open it. Only Jesus can open it. He says um, in Revelation, he said that um, I, uh, only those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life will enter there. So if the name's not in there, it's shut and you're not getting in. So once he shuts it, it will not open. Um, so anyway, um, he will wipe every tear from their eyes in those days. Uh, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the older order of things has passed away. Nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does anything get in there but those whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So take comfort in that. But it is also uh, a warning to those who have the opportunity to still take a breath and still bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ that time is running out. I know every one of us, not to be morbid, but we're one breath closer to death than we were a second ago. We're one minute closer to the last breath we take than we were a minute ago. We're one day closer to death than we were yesterday. We're heading towards the end line with no return going back to the other way. And so God, in his grace, in his mercy, in his sovereignty, he has allowed us another opportunity. The good news is Jesus sets free his captives. He will set you free if you will come to him. We have many people here that I'm looking at out you. Many of you have, have professed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And what did you do to get saved? Nothing. All you did was submit and agree with him. He did all the work. He's already done the work. He's already laid the foundation. It's already open to you if you will receive him as your Lord and Savior. That's what it is. We don't have the work. He has done all the work already. So what he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. He is the key to allow us in to be safe forever and ever. Now, um, do you have that poem, uh, O Clavis, up there? I was going to read from the point from uh, O Clavis um, by Malcolm Gite, but uh, I didn't have it in my notes, and I didn't subject it to memory, so I'm going to look up there and read it. Um, but look at this poem. Uh, I wanted to close with this because this kind of sums up everything that I've been talking about, about him freeing the captives. All those scriptures that we talked about, he said, had kind of summed them up in this poem. So let's, uh, I'm just going to read it right now. Even in the darkness where I sit and huddle in the midst of misery, I can remember freedom but forget that every lock must answer to a key. That each dark clasp, sharp and intricate, must find a counterclasp to meet its guard, particular, exact and intimate, the clutch and catch that meshes with its ward. I cry out for the key I threw away that turned and overturned with certain touch. And with the lovely lifting of a latch, 
opened my darkness to the light of day. Oh, come again, come quickly, set me free. Cut to the quick to fit the master key. Wow, what a powerful way to put in writing, in words, what Jesus has already said expresses it very well. So what I'd like to do is get to applying the word. How can we use this in our lives today? Jesus is the key. He doesn't just hold the key. He actually is the key. The question is, do you know the Lord as your personal Savior, as your personal Lord and Savior? Is Jesus that for you? If not, as I said a moment ago, today is the day of salvation. It says that in Scripture. It says now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. This afternoon, for that matter, is not even promised. Um, and uh, if you, I'm, I'm telling you, when, excuse me, when a person crosses from death into, from life into death, without Jesus, the door is shut and cannot be opened. There is no amount of anything that can save us once we've crossed that threshold. We are into eternity, separated from ever from God. The good news, gospel. This is a gospel message this, this morning, brothers and sisters. This is a gospel message. Gospel means good news. And the good news is we have one more opportunity. Two is not guaranteed, but we have one more right now to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to do that, see me, see one of the elders, see, see somebody here. We'll be happy to show you through Scripture how you can know for certain that you're a child of God. And if you turn around and walk out and that's the last time anybody ever sees you, the next time we'll see you is together with us in glory. So it's not to worry, but it's no time to play around. Now, if you are already a disciple, let's ask ourselves, let's ask ourselves again, Am I loving the Lord through my closet daily? And I'm just going to be quite frank with you. I fall short of that myself so bad, so bad. It's like I'm, I, I continue to say, you know what, today, I don't literally say this, but my actions say, today I can go through work and not visit my closet because I can handle today. Aha, uh -huh, I like that because that's true, right? That is about what Jesus says, huh? Yeah, you can handle it, go for it. <laughs> am I in the closet daily? Am I loving my God? And am I loving my God through uh, gathering for worship at least weekly with his body? Secondly, am I connecting with his people for fellowship, for mutual strengthening and encouragement? Uh, the, the Lone Ranger Christian is, is a falsehood. I can't live by myself as, an as a believer. It's just not happening. It's not biblical and it's not possible. Am I connecting with his people? Thirdly, am I accountable to a local body through, through church membership? Am I serving his church where I'm called to serve? I pointed out one opportunity to serve at the beginning of this message, but there's many opportunities to serve here. If you're visiting and you're a member of your own church, there's opportunities to serve at your own church, I'm sure. Serve the body. Finally, am I actively participating in reaching the world through evangelism so that others may join in the great freedom that Jesus, the key of David, offers? Jesus himself is the key. And do we want to hold that? Like I said, he allows us the privilege of playing a small part, of being a palace administrator, of being an opportunity to be used by him, to lead someone to him. Are we actively doing that? I wanted to close before we pray. 
I wanted to put up a song, and I'm going to ask you to stand. And uh, before we, uh, before I close in prayer, I wanted to sing uh, that verse of that song. It was up on the board this morning, and they just sang uh, 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 the, the chorus. I want to sing that verse 5, O come, O key of David, and it's to the tune of uh, Emmanuel. Uh, uh, o come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, O key of David, come and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe for us the heavenward road and bar the way to death's abode. Rejoice, 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 rejoice. Emmanuel, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Come to the O Israel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We are so thankful that you did come one time, Lord Jesus, to dwell among your people, to show us that you set the captives free, being, as it were, the key of David, the ruler who will rule forever. And what you open, no one can shut. You open it and you allow us in. What you shut, no one can, can open. You shut the gates of hell and lock in the devil and his angels forever. You shut the gates of heaven and allow us the privilege of being with you forevermore. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you're coming again. And Lord, may we be, as your people, ready for that. May we be actively loving you, serving you, serving your people, uh, uh, getting together with your people, Lord. May we be actively reaching the world with the gospel. May we be realizing that even today could be our last day and we want to maximize it for your glory. No glory unto the church, all glory unto Christ. We thank you, Lord for that opportunity once again to hear your gospel and to respond in a favorable way that you would be pleased and get the glory. We thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. And now receive the benediction of our Lord. Found in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.